Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast, post-SAG edition, which sounds like plastic surgery went wrong, but also, I think Helen Mirren made that joke yesterday anyway. Uh, but that is one thing we're going to be talking about, as well as the Batman, which I think somebody thought we were talking about last week when we basically just talked about how we weren't talking about it. So, you know. We don't talk about Batman. Uh, Sorry. Man, no. man, man. I would prefer that song. <laughs> um, in any event, Miles is here. Miles is here. By the time you hear this, I will have seen Batman, but at time of recording, I have not. Which leads to uh, a somewhat one-sided conversation. But just imagine Miles and Steve with like, their hands on their chin just listening to me talk about Batman. And then next week, they'll talk to me about Batman. Um, which lets you know that Steve is also here. I am here, and by the time you hear this, I will have purchased my ticket to The Batman. There you go. Um, I, will, I will probably go see it this weekend with my girlfriend, so you guys will have seen it. I will have revisited it, so we will be fresh when we do this probably a week from Sounds now. Sounds good. So, there you go, and then you guys listening will have probably seen it, because I assume it's going to make uh, what's known as bank in the business. I didn't see any tracking information yet, but I would assume it's going to be large. Uh, last thing I looked at said it's uh, going to have a 100 to 125 million range in the opening. Yeah, that'll do it. That's, that'll do it. Not bad. Um, so, before we talk about Batman, make you wait a little bit, uh, we have a question. We have Ryan McDermott talking about recent times at SAG split with Oscar in a film hall face-off, which will bring us to SAG. But let's do these first. The ones he has presented us with, Viola Davis or Francis McDormand? Obviously, that's Ma Rainey or Nomadland. Um, so are we just going off of the performances, I assume? Yeah, 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 performances. Let's go. Um, yeah, between the two, I think I go Francis and Nomadland. Viola Davis is good in Ma Rainey, but she's been so much better in other things that she doesn't really feel like the lead of that movie. Uh, Francis mm. is a, you know, she's always reliably good but i feel like she still shows a new a few new sort of sides of herself all right steve hmm i'm not sure about the size of herself but maybe you know hey that's your take my take is the opposite the side of herself that has her pants down over a bucket oh yeah that I, yeah i did see something that side only one, oh, something only a cohen brother has seen before <laughs> uh, unless you saw the director's cut um that's true well, so the Cohen sees it every time. <laughs> I'm going to go Viola Davis. Couldn't resist. All right. Fair. Um, I'm going to go Francis, but I think I think you're both right about everything. Steve with his quiet, just like um, I just I, I think I've liked them both more in other things. But I think if you remove the performance from the film. I think I like the Francis performance a little bit better. Hmm. Both good, though. Um, Emily Blunt in A Quiet Place or Regina King in If Beale Street Could Talk? Oh, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because you want to go Emily Blunt, but it's hard. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I have to fall back on um, Emily Blunt, you know. She's been great in a lot of things. Quiet Place, she's very good, but it's... 
it's kind of minimal from an acting standpoint. Uh, Regina King is phenomenal in uh, Beale Street, and I think that's a movie that people are too quickly forgetting about. I think it's one that merits easily as much discussion and revisiting as Moonlight. Fair enough. Steve? Uh, I'm going to follow suit. I'm going to go with Regina. Yeah, I'm going to make it a sweep. It's close. I I like Regina King. Um, I I love Emily Blunt in A Quiet Place, but it is... It's a different performance. Yeah. So they're... Yeah, especially when you put them together, it's kind of hard to put them on the same same ground, which is unfair, but also kind of exactly. You 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 have to respect them both, but you know, if they put them on a scale, one one uh, has a little more weight. Mm, indeed. Uh, next up, Denzel Washington and Fences, or Casey Affleck, Manchester by the Sea. This is a good one because it was a very clear one to one competition. You know, the Viola Francis one. Carrie Mulligan was right there for the three-way, and Emily Blunt didn't get nominated. But here, it was Denzel and Casey for months. So I'm curious where you guys fall on this. Carrie Mulligan was right there for the three-way, also the name of Joey's autobiography. Um, <laughs> Shh, that's for that's for episode 100. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we missed 69. Um, yeah. No, we were well-behaved on that one. Well, I mean... I'm not going to regurgitate some of the things I've said about Casey Affleck and Manchester by the Sea. I don't think it's a good film, and I don't think it's an especially good performance. I don't love Fences, but Denzel's work in it, I think, is unimpeachable. Fair enough. Steve? I don't like Fences. I I could not separate the stage from the screen. And because of that, I'm going to go with Casey Affleck, whose performance I actually also enjoy. Um. I love Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea. I, I maybe don't like him as a person. He was very nice when I interviewed him, but like obviously that's a whole other thing. Performance-wise, if you're just looking at the art, that's one of my favorite performances in a very long time. I think Denzel is very good in Fences. I think he's better than the movie. I think the acting is better than the filmmaking. I you know, uh, I agree with that. We have... Yeah, yeah. He, he Denzel is a very interesting director um, in that Fences is a kind of an outlier, but also when you look at it now, kind of removed from the buzz and like immediate praise, it does kind of fit because he's a, he's a fine director, but like his, his filmmaking is not the same as his acting. I think that's the, the easiest way to put it. And also like, I think what he's interested in as a filmmaker is different than what he's interested in as an actor. Um, so while I like Denzel and I, I really like him in that movie, I, I love, love the, the Manchester by the Sea performance for a number of reasons. So I'm going to go that way. Next up, another like someone who didn't get nominated, which is going to feed into the side conversation um, in a minute. Idris Elba, Beast of No Nation, or Mark Rylance, Bridge of Spies? Mm. Um, I like both performances. Um, I think Mark Rylance is the best part of Bridge of Spies, which I think is kind of an underrated Spielberg movie. Um, Idris Elba, I think the performance is better than the movie. But Mm -hmm. if we're just looking at the performances sort of head to head, I think I go Idris Elba. Okay. Steve? I agree. Uh, Across the board. Idris Elba. I'm going to go Mark Rylance and I'll tell you why. I think he gets ever so slightly undersold in that performance because so many people, myself included, 
were annoyed that Sylvester Stallone lost at the time. So, you know, you, you're a little bitter about the performance. But yeah, he's, he's great. I, I still love, in a movie that I think is fine, like Bridge of Spies is fine, but his sort of like, you know, would it hurt? Recurring kind of like a, a snarky aside to Tom Hanks is really good mm. and really memorable. Idris Elba is great, but I do think it's it's an intensity that I've seen from him elsewhere. Just not quite in a movie that's as sort of intense as that one, if that makes sense. But um, it's close, but I will go Mark Rylance. Also, I don't like sweeps. Uh, next up, this was a, a first place, second place type of situation. Tommy Lee Jones Lincoln or Christoph Waltz Django Unchained. Um, Tommy Lee Jones is very good in Lincoln. I think it's easy to forget just how much of a scene stealer he is in that movie. Um, but Christoph Waltz Django Unchained is on another level. Like it's one of his two best performances and it's increasingly seeming like he might've just peaked early. I mean, not early. He had a career before he worked with Tarantino, but those two roles of his are just iconic. So yeah, Christoph Waltz. Yeah. When people say he's only given two good performances, they don't know that he's had 40 other ones they've never seen but yeah there are two um significant standouts uh but i'm curious what steve has to say uh well i agree and i but i think christoph waltz is just waiting for that next best uh next well-written script that next well character that gives him the opportunity to really do what he does best because both his Django work and his work in Inglorious Bastards are, are just incredible and some of the best performances in all of Tarantino. So maybe one more time we'll get another uh, an, another waltz effort with QT. But until then, I still I agree with uh, what Miles had said. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, fingers crossed that because Tarantino's apparently only got the one more film, so here's hoping that he's got a role for waltz in it. You guys are you guys are telling. Uh... Tarantino, he should uh, take this waltz, huh? I am going to go with him for the sweep. Ah, Though I agree, Tommy Lee Jones is very good in Lincoln. He is. um, Especially when I've rewatched it. Um, And I would say uh, nobody has seen it for many a reason, but uh, Waltz is pretty good in his one scene in the last Woody Allen movie. The, the, what the hell was it called? I just watched it. Um, oh. film festival one with uh, Wallace Shawn yeah. he plays death and like one scene in like a chess game you know very reminiscent of Bergman because that's what Woody Allen likes to do but it is um, he's good because he's not really asked to do much more than kind of have his fun I think a lot of times people either take away the weird fun charm that he has or play it up so high that he's almost a cartoon and I, and I think a little bit goes a long way, and just people need to keep a, a hand on the volume, if that makes sense. And Rifkin's Festival is the name of the movie I got there. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. So yeah, I would have had that um, in about two years. Next up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meryl Streep in Doubt or a Kate Winslet in The Reader? Mm. Oh. Yeah. Uh... I wish I kind of wish it was neither. From being honest, yeah, I don't know that I like either of these performances. I love. Um, I got to see Doubt on stage like a few years before they did the movie, and on paper, it's like it's such a great cast. It should be great, and it's got all these nominations and everything. But I kind of think, with the exception of Viola Davis, I think everyone is kind of not at their best in that movie. Like Meryl Streep is kind of 
not, note almost. Yeah, I know. It's like one mm-hmm. note, but it's also like she's put she's giving a little both her and Hoffman are kind of doing a little too much relative to what the roles require. Um <sighs> I mean I don't think the reader's an especially good movie, but if we're just going performances, I think I give the slight edge to Winslet. All right. Steve? Yeah, uh, neither are my favorites. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, I, I think okay Winslet is better than subpar Streep. So let's go with Fair. Kate Winslet. I'm I'm torn because I think Doubt is a better movie than The Reader because it's decent and The Reader's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I want it to be Revolutionary Road. That would make it very easy. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll, I don't know. I'll go Streep just to not have it be a sweep because I, I feel like we're all way too unenthusiastic about Kate Winslet in this to uh, give her the, the walk away win. It'd be a no decision on my part. Yeah. Um, the next one is Kate Winslet in The Reader or Penelope Cruz and Thinking Christina Barcelona. Uh, going towards the um, category confusion that they kind of had at the time. And I think we all pretty easily go Vicky Cristina Barcelona, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, not even a question. Now I'm actually, I want to look up and see, I think, uh, I think maybe it's a typo. And the first one was meant to be... um, Kate Winslet, Revolutionary Road. I was going to say, yeah, it doesn't sound right. Well, they were th- they were yeah. the same year, though, weren't they? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just uh, hmm. now. Let's see what was what was she trying to do? what? Uh, now I'm trying to figure out what what Ryan was trying to do with um. Does he does he just have the reader on there twice? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's come fine. on, come on, Ryan. <laughs> oh, I, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I got it, I got it, I, I know why. It's because of the category confusion. It worked out. It worked out. Um. Sorry, I confused myself. Long day as well. In any event, this year's SAG Awards just happened yesterday. You guys are hearing this on Thursday. We're recording on Monday. And uh, I I didn't do super hot with my predictions, but I'm fine with that. I think people get caught up in being right. And it's nice to be right, and I like to be right. But I think um, how you're wrong is more important than whether you're right, if that makes sense. I I would rather be wrong, and this may be counterintuitive to what people think, but I'd rather be wrong, be playing it safe and kind of following facts as opposed to things that will make me happy. So, like, would I have preferred Coda to win over Belfast? Yes. But at the moment, if you were making a safe, like, trying to play the odds, you would still go with Belfast. So that or same with, like, Troy Kotzer. Like, he was really coming on strong, it seemed, at the end. But did he do enough to overtake? Mm, apparently yes but as we'd said over the last couple episodes we needed to see a, a a win and we needed to see cody lose to have the turn like when i wrote the article i said this is this is where the turn's going to happen if it happens and it did um so those kind of things i don't ever you know kick up any dust about like it is what it is also no one can fire me so i don't really care how i do beyond pride but what did, what did you guys think of the of the winners um and then we can go over the actual winners. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it was a great night for Coda. Um, I, I like that Troy Kotzer in particular now has some real like leverage behind him because I I think he would be a really cool winner at the Oscars, and I I think that's probably my 
personal favorite out of those five performances. So, you know, that's pretty cool. Um, Ariana DeBose is looking more and more like a sure thing. Will Smith is looking more like a sure thing. Uh, Jessica Chastain is such a fucking chaotic pick that like, oh my God, best actress is just such a shit show this year. And I love it. Oh, they've chosen (laughs) chaos and I love it, which, um, um, you know, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Cause we were, we were sort of saying how I think any of the five can win. Um, this has only furthered that case and it may well just continue to be that way. So not that it matters that much, but critics choices next week. Okay. And while it doesn't have anything to do with um, the Oscars in terms of voting, what it does do is there are times where my organization, perhaps foolishly, just tries to predict who's going to win. <clears throat> so to that end, you have Chastain, Coleman, Kidman, and Stewart there, with the other two nominees being Gaga and Alana Haim. So <clears throat> does Chastain get a boost because now the people are sort of flocking the predictor to win? Does Kristen Stewart pick it up because she's been sort of the critical darling all season and that's her win? You know, like what happens there? And then obviously that leads to BAFTA, where BAFTA chose chaos weeks ago. You know, we, we, we could really have a thing where everyone has something on the board and no one has a, uh, you know, a win that's enough to really make a, a strong case. What do you guys think about this? Well, I pull up the BAFTA nominees to share with everyone. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a case where you could literally make an argument for anyone and no one argument would be significantly more valid than another. I mean, I would say Chastain was kind of very much on the outside looking in compared to the rest of them. But now all that's really happened is that I'd say she's on about equal footing. Give her, Like, if anything, Cruz is probably the one that's looking the least likely. But like, well, interesting. fucking who knows? Maybe she'll win. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, what I was going to say is the thing that might benefit Penelope Cruz is she can't lose anywhere. Yeah. So not nothing, nothing will count against her, which, so you know, there's an interesting that could go either way. Awful theory. Cause remember no one at BAFTA is nominated at Oscar. Cause Gaga was going to be the only one that she missed. So you just kind of look at like, what does it tell you? A Gaga win means nothing besides Twitter. Alana Haim would be an interesting show for licorice pizza. Maybe think that it's going to win an original screenplay. The only one that really makes a bid for Oscar is Amelia Jones. If she wins for Coda, which I, I got to imagine she's not, but that would be a real interesting sign for Coda. Yeah, but uh, which is I mean up for best film at BAFTA, so like you know I, I'll I'll have my fingers crossed pretty tightly, but I don't expect them to uh, to deliver on that. But no, it they, would be I, fantastic. They hope they go with uh, with Renat, I'm the worst person in the world. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be that'd be, nice, that'd be some nice acknowledgement like, for her. I, I really I like kind of cap- I really like the BAFTA nominees. I think. There are, there's a, some great performances in there. Steve chooses chaos. Yeah. Um, I mean, the way it's got to go right now is just kind of play the hot hand. So I, I moved Chastain to number one just because she has a thing. She has the thing of note. Mm-hmm. Does it matter? We'll see. I mean, it's the one most likely to be wrong because I feel like SAG going three out of four 
or three out of five usually makes the most sense. Maybe four out of five, but there's always one, there's almost always one change. And the stronger that uh, Troy Kotzer looks, the more you look at actresses like, well, that's a surprise. But also, when there's no front runner, is it really a surprise? I mean, she was surprised. <laughs> Jessica Chastain was shocked. Um, which is funny because we've been negotiating, not negotiating, but going back and forth to get her uh, as an interview on, you know, on the site. And I'm very curious to see if this makes it more or less likely now <laughs> that you can make the case that she's the front runner. It'll be uh, some interesting inside baseball there. Um, but that was sort of the highlight was Coda doing well, two of the front runners cementing their front runner status and then two turns. Um, and in TV was kind of not all over the place, but I think I, Steve, you'll know more about this, but I, what I kind of took from it was everyone got very excited that Squid Game did well, but in at least one of the two categories, I, didn't it take advantage of almost every other nominee being succession and a vote split? When it comes down to it, it won for stunt ensemble. And if it did, if there wasn't yeah, for... Which I think was kind of expected, right? Yes. But if it wasn't for that, I that's where it would have been really you know curious as to where it would have gone because... Would they have taken uh, drama series ensemble as well? Because you know that's yeah. that's the uh, that's the big question. But yeah, um, we did well. You know the uh, the awards radar TV team did very well. We had both Squid Game actors. We had Lee Jung Ja as our number two. We were talking talks about having him number one, but it seemed like too much of a stretch. But as soon as that happened, I'm like, damn it, we're gonna get we're gonna get uh, actors wrong as well, and we did. But we nailed everything else. But yeah, um, you know, it's they're, they're tough to judge because Succession, it was, they, they did give it the, the drama series. But afterwards, uh, well, this kind of makes sense. You know, the Squid Game was the uh, yeah. the most talked about series. It, it, you know, everyone everyone got something, but they also got to go with the hot, you know, the, the hot property right now, which is Squid Game. You know, overall, I was, I was quite happy. With the, the- yeah, see, it did it did pretty well. I think the some of the speeches were very good. Mm-hmm. It didn't it didn't feel overly long. Um, they showed the clips, except for like two like acting uh, television categories, as they were clearly behind the eight ball time wise. It's like there was it was almost like they showed you how to do a show. Yeah, exactly. Without cutting random. Things. I I love to watch a show too, though. When when the winners are all you know announced. Then you say, yeah, you know what? I didn't predict or it wasn't my number one pick, but, you know, I'm still happy. And that's what I felt like yesterday totally. is you walked away, like, satisfied oh, yeah. with, hey, you know what? Quality winners won for delivering good performances. And uh, and it wasn't just like – yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad we're past the years of – well, maybe we're not past them, but, like, the, the Shit's Creek year. No, we're not past that. Where you just, like, kind of, yeah, like, here, here's your four wins – and everyone else goes home empty-handed because there's so much great TV, and there's you know there's obviously so many great films, yeah. and it's, it's nice to see spread it out a little bit. But don't but don't be afraid you know to do what you did with Squid Game and give them three because I I think it deserved the awards it won. I mean, I mean if yeah like I you know would Ariana DeBose and Will Smith have been my votes? No, but also how can I be upset? Like Ariana DeBose is hmm. exciting. And like I, you know, sometimes it can be weird with younger, up and coming actors to be like, "Well, is it too early?" But that's sort of a silly argument. You never know when someone's going to be back, and like, 
it's a uniquely suited performance to her. You know, her roots are in theater, this, you know, the stage and, and dancing, like it's perfectly suited. So like, you know, in a couple of years, maybe we'll look back and be like, oh, well, that was the high point. Or maybe we'll be like, what a great start to a great career. So especially considering, like, I don't think that the, the supporting actress category necessarily at any of the shows really have had slam dunk, like, oh, this is the person. So in a, in a kind of like, who knows season, I, I, I do, I do find it interesting that they went a little unique with their pick. Whereas, you know, Will Smith, it's become a coronation and like, you know, I wish he was more consistent, but it doesn't seem crazy that Will Smith would have an Oscar. They, you know, guy, like, you know, when he, when he's on, he's really on. So like, even if he would be like, he'd probably be fourth for me in that lineup, but like, how can you be upset? I agree with an an actor, but for, uh, supporting, um, for DuBose, I watched uh, West Side Story again and I support her winning more and more because she just pops off the screen. I suspect the revisit would help. Yeah, she does. She's great. And I, you know, I wasn't focusing on her before. There's so much to take in, in that film. And I think it really deserves a, a second viewing because especially being a remake, you, the first time you watch it, you're comparing, you're like, why do they make this? And all the, you know, more cynical, I guess, uh, oh, yeah, I just, review I just of it. Kind of, I just kind of watched it. I didn't really pay attention, not didn't pay attention, but didn't really focus in on any of the the cast members. I just wanted to feel, see how it felt. Well, it's just such, it's a, like, it's, yeah, a it's, it's a massive awesome. cast though. It's, so it's hard to really focus yeah. in. Of course you have the obvious oh, yeah. two leads, but um, she was there and she well, was great. But when I got to go back and actually revisit and, and give her the proper uh, amount of, of focus, I, I really appreciated the, the performance a lot more. And I, I think she's stunning on, totally. on screen. I think what she does, and I think this is the beginning of, of a huge career. So I support the win, and I, I, I'm actually you know move her up on my list of the actresses I'd love to see walk away with an Oscar. Nice. Um, and the funny part with Jessica Chastain is people bang the drum for her to win an Oscar so badly that if it's going to happen, you really can't complain that it's going to happen for something you don't like quite as much. Like that's just not how this works. Mm -hmm. You know, like you don't get to pick and choose. If the, if the Academy's down for it, it happens and there's nothing, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Um, So, you know, deal with it kind of thing. It's the same with Amy Adams. Like when it happens for Amy Adams, you can't, complain that it should be for something else like it's i'll complain that is not how it works well funny you should mention that you've teed up our next question Mm. oh Uh, real quick one last thing on sag um the love for coda i think we've all got a kind of i know belfast was the front runner and it seems like such an obvious choice on paper but it just it doesn't have the track record for me to confidently predict it even in the top three for picture anymore I, i i've moved it down to three um yeah but i don't even uh, i mean i know I, in fairness I'm like three through three through ten are a pretty a pretty wide gulf between one and two but um for me it's i still think power of the dog is out in front but coda i think is the one that if anything is going to dethrone it it's going to be that yeah 
no, I think I think that's the the two horse race we have. Code is a wonderful film, and I think it's it's great. I think people are starting to not only get the chance to see it now that it's it's making some waves. I think people are going to kind of have to force to look at it differently, and I think that's going to work in its favor. Where Power of the Dogs kind of been sitting there and like, hey, you know, this is an Oscar film. This is the type of film that wins, and deservingly so. But the the freshness of Coda and the heart and the and the pause, you know, you walk away from Coda feeling positive about life in a time when we don't feel positive about life. So I think it's got a lot of, uh, you know, good timing, but it's also just a wonderful film. So and the sky's the limit, one, in my opinion. Uh, one thing to keep in mind, and we can, you know, we can talk about this before we get to the other question, because it's kind of the only other thing besides Batman. Um, Coda winning Best Picture would, would be hard just because uh, what else is it winning? Is it going to be picture and supporting actor and that's it? Does it then pull the upset and adapted? Like not having those below the line categories, you know, not having a director, not having an editor nomination. It's it's up against history. Now, history, you know, things like that are made to be broken, and and you could definitely make the case that something like Coda is the sort of thing that would do it. And maybe, you know, we're entering a period of time where you know the preferential ballot favors a thing like Coda, but the director's branch, the editor's branch, you know, they're not necessarily going to defer to a top tier Oscar contender. So we may have years where, you know, Coda can win or something else of that ilk can win, but it's not going to be up for best director. You know, you're going to see best director filled out more with international filmmakers. You're going to see more about like technical achievements. You know, I'm not saying this is going to happen. But just to sort of tee up what we're going to talk about a little bit, like, you know, the Batman is not winning Best Picture. But we're entering a world where you could make an interesting case about, like, well, should Matt Reeves be in the conversation for, like, the fifth slot in Best Director a year from now? You know, that that makes more sense. And something like Coda, I think, will always now have a harder leg up, a harder time getting that leg up because the non-Best Picture slots and there seems to be at least one in director almost every year now, is going to be with all these filmmakers who are doing very daring, very new work that, you know, calls out for the director to be cited. You know, Coda is a wonderful film. It's one of my favorites of the year. I, I don't know that Sean Heater's direction is the f- one of the five best directing jobs of the year. It's nothing against her. It's phenomenal work. But it's, you know, it's it's... It's not it's showy work. work. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't yeah, require that. They that. usually respond to. What she delivers is fantastic, but it's not something. No, that it, it, and it's be. not that kind of movie. So it's almost, yeah. she's at a disadvantage because of the kind of movie it mm-hmm. is. I agree. Totally. And it's it's just an interesting thing to ponder. It's what will, I think, ultimately hold me back from predicting it for a while. But if it manages to pull off PGA, all bets are off. Also, imagine if... Netflix loses to Apple at the last moment. What a weird, like, you clearly have a bias against Netflix to the Academy. Not that, you know, I wouldn't vote for Coda also, but, you know, at a certain point it becomes almost silly that they uh, so clearly look for an alternative to a Netflix release. I hope Apple that's not even the case. more. Well, Apple, you know, like, the, the, the argument, if you recall, which is no longer ad- accurate, is that Netflix was TV. You know, it wasn't really a film. 
isn't Apple like the most TV of the group? Like they don't really come out in theaters at all. Mm-hmm. Just some food for thought. Uh, there. I don't really have a, an answer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you were if you were if you were going to see a film in a theater, and it was going to be distributed by Apple, Netflix, or Amazon, Amazon is probably the most likely. Then Netflix, then Apple. Like, sure. if, you know, Netflix with the bigger filmmakers has a deal in place, and Amazon likes to have their little cursory thing. And they've even moved away from what they used to do. If you remember when they had the deal with uh, Roadside, it was basically you guys put it out in theaters and we'll just own it afterwards. They've they've done away with that. But Apple doesn't really have any plans. Well, well they did, at the same yeah. time, though, Coda did have a brief theatrical run uh, after the nominations came out. So I totally. feel like, yeah, just like if, if they had a big enough... If they had a big enough movie on their hands or a movie that suited the theatrical experience well enough, I could see them making an exception. And, and maybe Apple, mean, maybe Apple's like, still learning how to play the I, game, you know? Well, well yeah, because yeah, it is still very much new on the block. Same with HBO so, Max. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard so, for them to compete as much as even they already are because yeah. they don't have well, I mean, as much experience as, like, a Netflix or even an well, Amazon. I mean, HBO Max, HBO Max is going to be under the Warner Brothers umbrella when it comes to, like, an awards campaign. It just, well, abs- absolutely, but something that just way. as an example of a new kid on the block. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, when it comes to Apple, I mean, would you say it would take, like, a film perhaps made by Martin Scorsese? Well, or... Well, yeah, but like even Tragedy and Macbeth had a theatrical run before it went to Apple. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was a co-production, so there might have been different. different sure, but I'm just saying they're films. not they're not closed off to the idea. Clearly, no, 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 no. Uh, the Macbeth felt closer to the not quite, but almost like the old um, Amazon roadside way, where like A24 kind of shepherded the theatrical. Yeah, and yeah. Then it just sort of migrated to Apple TV after two, three weeks. Though I'm sure it's playing, you know in the art houses that it has now gotten to over the last two months. So, uh, Joey, question. Interesting. Question. With the uh, right, best picture, how many how many dogs are in this race right now, in your opinion? And uh, no pun intended. Uh, three. I'd say I'll one's leave. more powerful than the other. <laughs> uh, Boo. Well, sorry. Oh, I was going to make a well, I think if Belfast manages to win um, BAFTA, they're still in it. But they also could could the most Belfast move, considering the season they've had, would be to win Best British Film, and then not win Best Film. Yeah. So they just like two steps forward, one step back, which has been the entire season for them. Just same. You know what they remind me of in a way? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Remember, it was like it feels like this should win Best Picture, and it just never took that extra step. Yeah, Belfast I has mean, had so many opportunities to just cement it, and they never did. And I think it's now too late. But we'll see about BAFTA. I, I, I do think Code is now the alt. In my eyes, if I was going to put money down, I have two films. And if I had yeah. the extra five dollars to say, hey, you know what? Let's place a, a, a long shot bet because just maybe I have two others. Um, but yeah, I think it's really. I think it's a two. Two and a half horse race, and uh, and then like the other, then I and then I wouldn't be surprised. I would be surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked if a, a couple of this popped up. But we shall see. Well, yeah, I mean, there's one tier down. There's the West Side Story and Don't Look Up. Yeah, um, for very different reasons. Uh. Um, though worth considering um, the current real world situation. 
that when the Academy votes, what kind of mood they're in. Mm-hmm. And I and I do think that might hurt Power of the Dog, because uh, Power of the Dog is a lot of things, up to and including often a brilliant film. It's not a feel-good movie. And this may be not the message that they want to present as like, sure. you know, like like with SAG, there was plenty of, you know, we stand with Ukraine, uh, yeah. things like that. But Brian Cox, for depending on where we're at. Almost the whole speech was yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I mean, a month from now, I mean, I, I if we're being realistic, it won't be it won't be done. But, you know, hopefully we haven't moved on and forgotten and found a new shiny object to be distracted by. But if it's still, you know, eyes on this and, and what can we do to put pressure on Russia, which, by the way, breaking news, uh, Warner Brothers is not releasing Batman in Russia, apparently, as of a couple minutes ago. They've paused the release. So, uh Shame on shame on you guys! You don't get to see a movie. <laughs> Take um, that, Russia! Yeah, Your sons of bitches. We're just waiting. I know, but you know, if this is still a, a dominating people's minds type of thing, I, I wouldn't put it past the academy to think about. And remember, they don't think as a group, but group think does happen. Um, what kind of a more uplifting message can we send? And and ironically. People were trying to put that as a West Side Story benefit. West Side Story is not an upper. Like, it is still a tragedy. Like, it's lively because it's a a tragedy. Like, I think that the two that it favors, it most clearly favors Coda. Because how can you not leave that movie on, like, a high and feel, like, good about the planet and the world? Mm -hmm. But Belfast is also a crowd pleaser that is about war. And, like, family bonds during war, essentially. Like, in a weird way, Belfast does speak to the moment more than I think it did a month ago. True. Not enough to matter, I don't think. But it's just food for thought. I think the the strike against the power of the duck is that it seems like a lock for best director. And once you say, And they do like display. Well yep. Yeah, once you sign off, you click on they go, Well, we already did that and I still like, you know, Belfast or Coda. So I'm gonna choose one of those instead because we already we already gave a, a major a major award to uh, to the power of the yeah. dog. So well, did you guys? I mean, and also, you know, there are people who don't like Power of the Dog. Did any of these of you see? Um, Mark Maron had Sam Elliott on today, I guess, and uh, apparently he did not care for the Power of the Dog, and you know, he's kind of Mister Western. No, and I thought that was uh, that was interesting. Um, I will pull up the quote because it was um, it was strong, and I kind of like that. Like, I don't agree with him, but also, you know, I would rather hear an Academy member give a like actual opinion about something as opposed to just like, Oh, well, you know, I watch everything or that's why I like so much. I think it was, was it Kirsten Dunst? when someone asked her and she was like, I'm an Academy member. Yep. I watch everything. Was yeah. Like, yeah. Very like shut it down. Like this is what I do or someone else. One of their speeches um, at the show yesterday was like, um, you know, for the last month, everything has been, I watch this, you know, like some people take their job seriously. So here, Here's the quote. Mark Maron said, did you see Power of the Dog? Did you see that movie? And Sam Elliott said, yeah, do you want to talk? I'm not going to do the voice. He went, yeah, do you want to talk about that piece of shit? And Mark went, oh, no, you didn't like that one. And Sam Elliott went, fuck no. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't agree, but also I, I kind of love that Sam Elliott was like, fuck no. Yeah. Um, but I also, like, I get it. Like, it's not your, you know, it's not a traditional Western. and. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think in a weird way you have to respect him even more. He's like, I didn't fucking like it. Like, it doesn't mean he's out for blood. Like, you haven't heard him, him say a damn word about it besides this. But, you know, 
there is that. Thing is, for someone and, who... And I just thought that was interesting. For someone who wears a cowboy hat often, which I believe he does, um, you know, you he probably goes in looking for a classic Western, and this was not. And even if you can, I mean, yeah, you can I mean, strip he, away the, the, the term Western. This does not have to be seen as a well, Western. Show? There's it's much 18, more to it. Than, 1883 or whatever? What was that? You know, his, his, his show that he's on, the Yellowstone spinoff, 1880, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that's... That's closer to, I think, what he gravitates yes. towards, and that's fine. Um, but it's, it's just interesting that, like, you know, when you get down to the vote, the fact that there's a, you know, if there's a hundred people voting on something and 25 of them are the loudest people in the room and they're all saying this is the best film ever made, there's still only a quarter of the vote and three quarters of it can go another way. So this is where you have to remember the Internet is not reality. Now. The smart money is still on Power of the Dog, but it is it is not this like unbeatable juggernaut. It's still it's still a race in the sense that I, I I think more members than you think haven't made up their mind yet. Now again, it overperformed when every other film underperformed, basically. So bet against it at your own risk, but the next uh just shy of a month is gonna be very interesting. It's still post two thousand sixteen and the world doesn't know where like we're emotionally Happiness. broken and you know with the, with the war going on that can affect things there's so many things that can affect uh voters in a different way than your standard year this is not the 90s and what you know when you know the world is just chugging away and just being the world things are messed up now and i think uh everybody has experienced covid the last, uh, the political uh, climate, the the war, everything, all this stuff is is changes the way you think about things. So it's I, it's hard to predict when you don't like. I talk to my neighbor and how they're handling COVID is so much different than how I'm handling COVID. That alone, you know, it's like it's just not your, uh, you know, this is not ten years ago. This is the 2016s and on. Exactly. Well, let's come back to that. You know, when we have a little more information. And uh, we have a question before we get to Batman, then we'll wrap up. Uh, KFLEA208 asks if we can do our new Oscar game with Amy Adams. Should she have won for any of her nominations? And if so, how would that have affected Oscar history? And then there's a couple more we can do if we have time. So we may or may not do those. But let's do Amy Adams, since you teed it up a minute ago anyway. Um, Amy Adams has been nominated for six Academy Awards. All right. She has been nominated in Best Supporting Actress for Junebug, Doubt, The Fighter, and The Master. Then Best Actress for American Hustle. And then Best Supporting Actress for Vice. Okay? Where would you give her any of those? I mean, she Without fucking should have been nominated for Arrival. Mm-hmm. I would make the case that there's a possibility that might be her most likely win had she been nominated. Yeah. But she's not there. So yeah, can't do that. out of those nominations, I would probably go with the master. The master is a very, very good opportunity. So <clears throat> for those of you who are not aware, um, with June bug, that was her like breakthrough. She lost to Rachel Weitz for uh, the constant gardener. Now there, that is what I think a lot of people like in the punding game, the, like this had Oscar buzz. Like when I used to do award circuit with Clayton, like that's where a lot of people kind of go immediately because, Nobody thinks about The Constant Gardener. But also no one thinks about Junebug. It's, it could have happened. I, I think she was too new. Especially with uh, 
Rachel Weisz was like huge at the moment. Like she was peaking, I think. Now, um, like I like with, I like the idea of Rachel Weisz as an Oscar winner, even if the movie is so slight. And I think, yeah, oh. if Amy Adams had been more established at that point, you could make the argument. But she like most people barely knew who she was at that point. Exactly. Uh, then she loses the, the Penelope Cruz, Vicky Spina Barcelona. That was that was a runaway train. <clears throat> also, she was splitting votes with Viola Davis. So that was never going to happen. The fighter is probably the next closest she comes. Yeah. Because uh, her co-star basically, uh, you might argue, takes the award away from her. I'm not complaining. I think they're both great. But um, Melissa Leo kind of swooped in with that campaign to take it from her. Because if you look at the other nominees that year, Helena Bottom Carter wasn't winning. Ellie Steinfeld wasn't winning. She had the category controversy. And Jackie Weaver was sort of like, oh, cool, we got her in thing. It was really between Amy Adams and Melissa Leo. And just one of them needed to step up, and, and it was Leo. And also, I don't really want to take away Melissa Leo's Oscar. That's right. a great like character actress. Really went above and beyond. And it got her the next... However, you know, what are we at? This is now um, over a decade of her career. Like, she's become a reliable, she can do a little bit of everything actress. And before that, it was, uh, like, not quite the case, let's say. Um, so the next up would have been um, for The Master, yeah. And that would be taking away Anne Hathaway's Oscar. I hate Les Mis. I think Anne Hathaway is kind of the only good thing about it. I could get on board with that, but I also, you know, Anne Hathaway was one of the surest things on that night. Yeah. Yeah. Would, is there anything else? Like Anne Hathaway, I don't think has been nominated since, right? Not since you would, you know, you would have to figure out like, I mean, I guess she, you could have made the case. She would, maybe she would be able to win for uh, rich getting married, but she wasn't. I, again, I think that was Sandra Bullock. No one was stopping her that year. Which is a pity because I think... No, it was, it was it something I'll, I'll else. I'll look up in a minute. But I think Rachel Getting Married is the superior performance just for Anne Hathaway. Totally. Yes. I mean, I would, I would say Love and Other Drugs is the superior performance to Les Mis. Yeah, um, I don't disagree with that. I mean, a way to do it is take away Kate Blanchett's uh, Blue Jasmine win. And it sucks because I think that might be her best performance. I'd love her in that movie. But Amy Adams for American Hustle, I know people have like kind of soured on that movie. But if you remember at the time, a lot of people, and I think this was something Clayton and I had like overtly discussed because we were, I think, of maybe one of the first people to see the movie when we did like the episode that week. She's like one scene away from winning the Oscar that year. Like she kind of disappears in the third act mm-hmm. a little too much. Yes, I think I think that's. She had, that's exactly right. That's the thing holding her back is if she's she's missing at that key moment where she needs to like sort of shine. And that's it's such oh, an yeah. ensemble that she does she does amazing work, but she does kind of get buried. I think yeah, the same thing had, happens to had, Christian Bale. Exactly. If she had stormed in at the end of that movie and like even if it's just like a you know, like an ingenue Ellis type scene. And like I don't love that yeah. scene in King Richard where she kinda has to like smack him around a little bit verbally to be like get your act together. And, like, that's why Anjanou Ellis is up for the Oscar, like, that scene. Um, Amy Adams, if she could have done that to, like, Christian Bale, like, as the walls are closing in, you know, a little before, like, when everything happens and Christian Bale starts doing the narration about, you know, how I I betrayed my friend Carmine Polito, as you see Jeremy Renner being led away in handcuffs, I think that might have made the difference. 
because she's obviously not winning for Vice. I think she's good in Vice, but Regina King also was just going to win. And if not, you know, Emma Stone or Rachel Vice was going to win. Which, I mean, I guess you could do that. Rachel Vice for the favorite would be better than The Constant Gardener. Yeah, but that takes some some serious reverse engineering to turn that around. Well, that's the thing. I'm trying. Well, he did. Uh, Kayfley did ask about how it would have affected Oscar history. I think that's that's sort of what you talk out. I mean, the interesting thing is, here's a weird bit of of something or other. If let's say she won for Junebug, do you think all these nominations happen? Conversely, do you think she gets in for a rival if she's already an Oscar winner? Ah, uh, that's hard to say. Like. I think in some cases, yes, and in other cases, no. Like, maybe she does get in for a rival, but she doesn't get in for Vice. You know what I mean? Well, that's the thing. Like, as a winner, are you looked at as more of a thing? Like, okay, she's a winner. We can't ignore her. In the way that, like, at this point, like, Denzel's not really going to miss unless it's BAFTA. You know, he's going to get in when he does notable work. But at the same time, like a Tom Hanks, for the longest time, it was... Well, he's got two Oscars, and we've nominated him since then. Like, we, we don't feel bad about him missing. You know, which does she? Which one does she become in that case? And I don't know. I don't know. I'm looking I at her at her stuff. work, and I don't see uh, an easy selection. It's like maybe the master, but honestly, Anne Hathaway. I mean, you could say you don't like this film, but. She had the killer song, and uh, it's it's yeah. It, and I and I honestly think the way it's worked out so far has been fine. It's not like Amy Adams is not going to win. Yeah, like she is still like phenomenally in demand, and when she works, she's very good. She you know she took a little time off for kids, and I think some people make it seem like oh maybe she missed her moment. I think she just like took a break because no. you know you're allowed to like Jesus. Um, and then, so I, 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 I applaud that. Do that. That's what people should do. It's yeah. called life. Live it. Exactly. Like I think people forget that. Like when you when you live your life, a lot of times that benefits you. Mm-hmm. Like you come back with a fresh perspective, and like you know, it doesn't hurt. Like look at like Natalie Portman. She wins the Oscar for Black Swan as she's having her baby. Takes some time off. Like you don't see her for a while. She's in a little bit of of, of stuff, but like it made Jackie feel like more of, of an event. You know, admit sometimes you you come back with like an intensity, like oh shit. <laughs> um, so like I have no problem. Oh, look at Jennifer Lawrence right now. You haven't seen her in a little bit. You know, she she had her baby, and I'm I'm very intrigued about what she's going to do next because sometimes you take fresh eyes to a project when you take a break, and like that's not a bad thing. You know, let's do a couple of these other people, then we'll talk Batman, then we'll get out of here. Willem Dafoe, Should Willem Dafoe have an Oscar? He's got. Four nominations. Platoon, Shadow of the Vampire, Florida Project, Supporting Actor, and uh, unfortunately, At Eternity's Gate and Best Actor. Can't pretend I like that movie. Uh, though he's good in it, but like, that movie is rough. He is, but All it's right. hard to make the argument that it's his best work. It's it's shocking that people sat through it. Um, so, he's great in Platoon. He definitely split votes with Tom Berenger. Also, Michael Caine was always going to win for Hannah and her sisters. Yeah. That was... That was not happening. Shadow the Vampire, that's too cool. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Oscar doesn't deserve a win that cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the fact that he got in was great. And that's also a really good lineup. So Benicio del Toro wins for traffic. 
on its own. We we did that kind recalibration a, like whenever yeah. ago, and yeah, that was it like was hard. one of the most difficult ones I've ever had to do because on the one hand, I would never ever want to take away Benicio del Toro's Oscar. But on the other hand, Willem Dafoe for Shadow of the Vampire. Like, that's my favorite of these four performances by a long shot. Totally. And like, you know, traditional Oscar wins would have been either Albert Finney for Aaron Brockovich or Joaquin Phoenix Gladiator. And I still maintain Jeff Bridges in the contenders would have been my vote. But like, yeah, the fact that he was in Oscar doesn't deserve it. Um, Florida Project. Now, it's it's like too subtle of a performance for the kind of actor he is, you know? Exactly. Like he, like he definitely was number two, but you know, Sam Rockwell was bigger, not in terms of like stature, but like he was hitting all of the things the Academy likes and you know, you could definitely swap them out and I don't think the world really changes, but you know, you could tell it was going that way, like pretty early on. I think it was less of a um, competition than what we kind of made it out to be. Now, as much as I don't like Ad Eternity's Kate, if he wins, you take it away from Robbie Malik. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, give it to yeah, him. Yeah, but like, but who are the other nominees, though? There's got to be one better than either of them. I mean, uh, they, they are the four and five. I mean, the other nominees were Christian Bale and Vice, Bradley Cooper, Star Wars Born, and Viggo and Green Book. And like, Viggo Morrison What a, what a fucking either. lousy best actor lineup. Um, I mean, I, I think Bale is great in a role that like he doesn't need to win for. And well, Bradley Cooper is great in a role he doesn't need to win for. Like, I, I think Cooper is like so far beyond the other yeah. four. Like, it's not even close. Totally. That was I such think a Bale letdown. is good, but, Vi- but Vice just doesn't keep up with him. I like and, it more than I think you guys did. But yeah, I think, I think it's clearly like Cooper one, Bale two throw a rock whether you think you know i think vigo might be three like the movie's not you know yeah i mean he's good in it it's not a very vigo performance but what do you do i think if you took if that movie was not up for awards and was just kind of like aimed at being like the old man like feel good movie i think you would feel a lot better about him because it's like ah the racist learned a lesson and it didn't feel as much like oh you're sending a real weird message by nominating this and giving it awards like if it was just like the people who think that you can solve racism in a two hour movie would enjoy this. And that was who it was shot for. That was great. And I think you would have no issues with him being like considered great in that film. And then Defoe is good in a movie that's not good. And Rami Malek is doing a solid impression. Like he's not the problem, but like, ugh, like I, 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 he was very nice. I, I love talking to him, but like, I hate when someone, when like a group just falls under the spell of something and you're like, wait, 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 come back, come back to me. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think Willem Dafoe has one, but if he does, it could be Florida project. And I don't think it changes any Oscar history because I don't think Sam Rockwell suddenly wins the next year for vice. Right. Yeah. These are very similar where you're like, eh, I don't know. There's there's no right answer right here for the lighthouse. Yes. Yeah, I mean, well, I agree with the arrival comment too. I would have, I would have gladly have seen uh, Amy Adams win for Arrival, and and Defoe for Lighthouse would have been a fantastic nomination. But you know, they ignored that film. So, what do you? So the next one is Warren Beatty, but only his acting. So if you take away his screenplay, his director, his picture, all of those things, um, his nominations are Best Actor, Bonnie and Clyde. 
Best Actor Heaven Can Wait, Best Actor Reds, Best Actor Bugsy, and that's it. More than you think. I think people kind of sleep on how many times he was nominated. He actually, if you look, has 14 Academy Award nominations. Good on him. Yeah, like, and none of them for uh, Rules Don't Apply. (laughs) Shocker. Um, So, Best Actor, it wasn't going to happen. That was Rod Steger in the Heat of the Night. It should have been, should have been, we should have swapped that one out as we've already talked about. But he was never going to win. I think it would have been Hoffman or maybe even Paul Newman, if not. But Rod Seeger won that one. Um, Heaven Can Wait, it sure seems light for him to win, right? Yeah. Yeah. As much as they love that movie. And you can tell because he lost to John Voight for coming home. I would certainly not hate taking away an Oscar from John Voight. He seems like an awful human being. Um, But I think if it wasn't him, it was probably De Niro for The Deer Hunter. Warren Beatty was probably three. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. You know, Lawrence Olivier is there. And uh, if you want to really rewrite Oscar history, give Gary Busey the Oscar. Nominated for the Buddy Holly story. Well, if you're interested in Bugsy, don't be, because it's Anthony Hopkins for The Silence of the Lambs. So that's not happening. Yeah, yeah. No, no, Bugsy's definitely not happening. Reds, uh, I think there was also just, I mean, Reds. I could see Reds. Reds was popular. I mean, no. Henry Fonda wins Ron Golden Pond. Like, he was unstoppable, even though it's not the best performance. Like, yeah. I think, honestly, Paul Newman, Absence of Malice, might have been better. Well, honestly, um, Dudley, Dudley, Dudley Moore at Arthur's. Yep. That was, a, that was a tough one. So I think the answer is he doesn't have one. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he has, his, he has an Oscar. He has the Best Director Oscar. So, like, he has a statue. Um, and he strikes me as a guy who I don't think cares. Uh, here's an interesting one. Claude Rains. Man, he deserves Visible to man. be a winner. Now, of course he does, but... So he's got four Academy Award nominations for Supporting Actor. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Casablanca. Mr. Skeffington and Notorious. Um... Let's look and see. Um, of course, they don't list this in a way that's easy for me, but we'll do it. Um, Claude Rains, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. He loses to Thomas Mitchell for stagecoach. I, I'm fine with that, I guess. I don't care enough when it comes to that one. But I think, obviously, we're looking at Casablanca 43. Um, Charles Colburn wins for The More the Merrier. I think that would be easy. Yeah. Be an easy switch. Is that the the Casablanca? Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, he fucking steals the show in Casablanca. Give it to him for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we could stop there because, like, can we give him two? That would do it. I don't. Uh, I wouldn't I be mad at one for Notorious. 46. Let's see. In forty four, Barry Fitzgerald going my way. That's historic. That was never happening. That was never changing. Um, Harold Russell, the best years of our lives. The Notorious year. I, I, I do think he loses. I think, honestly, if we take away the Charles Coburn win, so he wins for playing uh, Captain Renault, then Charles Coburn might just win in, in 46 for uh, the Green Years. Oh, well, there you go. Well, there you go. I think we solved that one. All right. We did it. Um, he fixed the and, world. Uh, the Good job, everybody. <laughs> yeah, we did. High five. And the last one before we took... 
last one before we talk Batman Hitch. Alfred Hitchcock. Dun, dun, dun. They're, they're not for acting, though. They Just should be. Make that very <laughs> He should have won an Oscar for that trailer for Psycho. <laughs> Where he just monotone <laughs> walks through the motel and tells you what's going to happen. It's amazing. I wish more I mean, movie he, trailers would do that. He does. He. I mean, I. I would very much like to see what the like. Um. Modern version of that would be. Well, I was just about to say, and this is only slightly off topic, but is there a modern director who you think could pull off the Hitchcock trailer? Um, not in the same way. They would have to do their well, own I, spin on it, but like, I mean, Tarantino. I was going to say Tarantino. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, but Tarantino has an obnoxious think, screen presence. Yeah, well, that's the thing. But, I think the people who are most like Hitchcock to do is charming, or not charming, and I don't mean that in like a like a mean way. Because I was about to say I don't think it should happen, but I think Kevin Smith is someone who would do it. It doesn't mean you want it to happen, but I think it's the people who have a personality as like. You come to hear me talk. That might do it. You know what would be an interesting one? Del Toro. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I think he would be game for something like that. Yeah. All right. So, oh, oh, you know yeah. who would be good? Werner Herzog. I would fucking oh love to see Werner Herzog, like, standing around in a forest, like, talking about what's going to happen in Grizzly Man. I would rather him do it for once he wasn't nominated or he didn't make yeah, just yeah. I want I, I want Herzog to do it for like movies he had nothing to do with. Oh yeah, I want him to narrate the trailer for Clerks Three. You've <laughs> seen them in a convenience store. You've seen them in a movies. Just like completely earnest or do anything for that. Um, here, let's talk about his nominations. Uh, director for Rebecca, Lifeboat, Spellbound, Rear Window, and Psycho. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that. Two of them are where most people think it should happen. But the question is, who did he beat? Because that's the thing people, I think, a lot of times forget, which is what this game is kind of about. So we've got, in 1940, he... As I just get text messages. 1940, he is... Losing to John Ford, the Grapes of Wrath. Not happening. Not happening. Rebecca... Rebecca would have been a solid win, but I don't even know if he was two because I think uh, George Cougar for the Philadelphia story might have been two. Um, he comes back next in 44 with Lifeboat. Going my way wins. Leo McCary. I think that probably still wins. I don't think he was number two because I think Billy Wilder was for Double Indemnity. Oh, sure. And yeah. I think Otto Preminger might have been three for Laura. Uh, the next year, Spellbound. Uh, Billy Wilder, The Lost Weekend. He's not winning that one either. Nope. So as you can see, there might be a reason he doesn't have one. Not that it's right. Uh, So 54 and 60 are his last opportunities. 54, rear window. It's not happening. Eliak Kazan on the waterfront. Oh, Uh, yeah, there's no way. Two of my favorites. And Billy Wilder for Sabrina. So, like, he might even be three. And then Mm -hmm. his final chance... Do you guys know what it is? For Psycho. Psycho. When's that year? Yeah, but what when that year? Oh. Billy Wilder, The Apartment. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. He's... Well, but Billy Wilder already won, though. Yeah, but well, The Apartment. I... 
I mean, the, the apartment he, is the better movie, but like, well, that's the thing. He's definitely not losing for the apartment. So the question is, does he? Does Spielberg win? I mean, does eh, does Hitchcock win for Spellbound? That feels like a not. It's weird because most of these nominations are for films that like you barely even like Lifeboat and Spellbound are like not like what you think of when you think of iconic Hitchcock movies, even slightly. Totally. I mean, I mean, I think, you, you know, you hope it would be for. Uh, well, Vertigo and North by Northwest, right? Yeah. Either of those would have been cool. Uh, let's see. What were they up for against? Because they obviously didn't get nominated. By the way, for the trailer, what about Taika? Taika Waititi. Taika would do a good job. Yeah. Although he's maybe, because he acts so much, he's maybe a little too self-aware for something like that. True. Yeah. I mean, Hitchcock's magic was that he was so like unsupposing as a screen presence like nothing about him said oh this person should be on camera but he had that sort of charm that he made it work taika like devours the the screen with most of the time he's on opposite end of the spectrum Uh, okay so for for north by northwest the uh william wyler wins for ben-hur so i guess we can stop there whoops um and then the last opportunity I think that makes sense would be Vertigo. Right. One second. Okay. Vamp for a second while I pull this up. Awards Radar. We're more prepared than any other podcast. So prepared. In the time since Joey has been looking this up, I've actually had time to see Batman. Twice. All right. Vertigo. Here we go. Vincent Minnelli, Gigi. Yeah, we could do that one. Strip it. Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm very comfortable with that. Because the other nominees were Richard Brooks, Cat in a Hot Tin Roof, Stanley Kramer, The Defiant Ones, Robert Wise, I Want to Live, and Mark Robson, The End of the Sixth Happiness. Yeah, he should have been in there. Yeah, absolutely. I won. Because um, I Want to Live was not an Oscar, was not a Best Picture nominee, and neither was The End of the Sixth Happiness. So either of them could have missed. And Robert Wise has a direct has for West Side Story already. That would have worked out. We did it. We saved. Would have been good. Hitchcock. We saved Christmas. <laughs> we saved Christmas. <laughs> Close enough. All right. Batman time. Go Batman. Na 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 na. I didn't see it. Movies. I mean, we'll save more of it for when we, uh, when you guys have seen it, so we can talk more about it. But movie is great. The thing that I want to, I want to sort of bring up because I want to hear what you guys uh, say afterwards is the first hour. I think is brilliant. Like the opening scene is very unsettling and sort of brings you into the world very well, and then it introduces you to sort of where we're at with the Batman, and I love it not an origin story it's i believe year two of what he calls the gotham project like this is still sort of an experiment um and the idea of like you know when when you hear in the trailer like i'm vengeance it's just kind of sounds like a fun like batman line it's really sort of his thesis and it plays so well and the less you sort of know about what's going on with the riddler and just okay people are being killed it's amazing and then the detective work starts 
And it's really compelling because it's a real solid, like, serial killer police procedural um, that just happens to have a guy in a bat suit doing the investigation as opposed to, like, you know, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. Um, and then as you start to get more and more and more into that and it turns into the, the plot, like, the second hour lags a little bit. Not much. But there, there's a period where, like, it starts to get into, like, the history of the Waynes and stuff like that. And, and I... I felt the change from like, oh, I, this isn't the best movie of the year anymore. Um, not that it's not great, but like I felt the downshift. And then I thought it wrapped up pretty well in the third act, except it has a lot of endings. It's one of those movies. Yeah. And there's a big sequence at the end that I, I do wonder if it was. I don't think it was a reshoot. It seems too big to have been like added on at the last minute. But I wonder if, you know, they greenlit Matt Reeves' like idea and then as they were getting ready, it was the like one note that he like dealt with of like, we love your idea, but can you have a big action scene? Like we kind of need one because there's not a ton. The only like that it's really the only scene in the movie that feels like it could have been placed into the other Batman movies. Everything else is very much of this take on the character. And I'm I'm very eager to see where they go next, even if I'm. I'm not sure how many villains from the Rose Gallery make sense for this kind of Batman. It's because it's much more grounded than Nolan. Like, Nolan is grounded, but still, like, there's a guy who has a mask that makes him super strong. And, like, there's a guy with, like, crazy powder that he throws at you and, and, and so on. Like, this is all real is the wrong word, but, like, tactile in a way that the other ones haven't been. So well, yeah, I think the Nolan films away. get a lot of credit for sort of being gritty and real and down to earth. But there's also that scene in the dark Knight where he straight up uses magic to pull fingerprints off a shattered bullet. So like, yeah, you know, it's, it's realistic by like James Bond standards, not by like, so it could exist in the real world here. Um, not really a spoiler. So don't worry about this, but there's two examples of like this version of that stuff. One is you guys have seen in the trailer where he flies like yeah he's got like the, the flight suit yeah he's got basically like a military flight suit and it's clearly the first time he's done it and he's scared shitless when he does it and that's a real great touch of like this tough son of a bitch is also like i fucking never jumped off a building before this is gonna be weird and like i like that that was the touch of like of course you can still be scared when you're batman um and then his ga- most gadgety gadget is instead of like magic that lifts fingerprints you know, and can like simulate the bullet and all that nonsense. Um, he wears contact lenses that record everything. So when he goes home, he can analyze the evidence by basically just revisiting what he saw. And he takes notes in a notebook. Like it's very like, it's not Mission Impossible, but it's like, okay, this is the biggest flight of fancy, but I guess a billionaire could have like cameras in his contact lens. That doesn't seem crazy. Well, look at the cameras you have on your phone now. It sounds a little silly. Well, yeah, like all the things that you can do already, it doesn't sound crazy. But it's just such a great touch of like, like Batman really is the world's greatest detective because he's taking notes even when he's just looking at you. Like if you just are holding up an evidence bag, he doesn't need to look at it like by you handing it to him. He just sees it and he's got it forever now. And I thought that was a really cool touch of like, how does the, the Wayne Billions turn him into a better Batman because like for this one, it would also be weird 
if he had a crazy Batmobile. He has a 60s Camaro, basically, that's, like, souped up. Um, I think Matt Singer in his review made, made a funny point of, like, or it might have been Mike Ryan, because those were the two people I, I immediately wanted to hear what they thought, and they both liked it a lot, was, like, if you were cruising around in your billion-dollar Batmobile, wouldn't you eventually wonder, like, I wonder if Batman's a billionaire? Like, that doesn't seem like a car you could just pick up. Whereas this is definitely, like, a car he had. Um, it's really satisfying, and I'm very curious where they go next. And and really does, like, it's very much a Matt Reeves movie, even if he's kind of doing, like, David Fincher stylistically. But yeah, more, more soon, but if you guys want to want to give me any, like, questions before we wrap up about it, and then we'll we'll tackle it in depth next week. How do you how do you feel about uh, Rob Batten Batten the role? Um, he is uh, an excellent Batman. Might actually be my favorite. Um, he's not in it as Bruce Wayne more than like a little bit, so don't even think about it in terms of that. And that's not my favorite part of the movie. He he does kind of look like an emo guy in it, but this Batman is a recluse, which so it fits. But as a Batman, like there's a lot of scenes that I think could be silly if it wasn't if you weren't so bought into the premise of him just slowly emerging from the shadows and like walking up to a scene and like he does a lot of work as batman just like looking with a flashlight you know like doing police work like with gordon and and you just you buy his his presence there's a there's a scene where he's walking up to like like just sort of like no good nicks to like you know beat them up like an establishing scene of him as a badass and just you hear the giant like clomp of his boots as he's walking and you know, you don't think of Robert Pattinson as like an imposing figure, but in that moment, it feels like how you would imagine the Affleck Batman felt to people. Like Affleck Batman was huge, like a big, like oh my god, he might break me in half. And it really does. He really does like play bigger than I thought he would. He's great. He's he's really he's got a he's got this. Like you know, it could he could have very easily looked at it as a paycheck gig, and like obviously that's not what he does, but he definitely took to this like it was. Robert Pattinson wanting to be in like an interesting like murder mystery as opposed to like, do you want to be in a blockbuster for the next 10 years of your life? All right. So with that said, here's a question and no spoilers, please at all. Cause I think I would be annoyed and others would as well. Is what's the plan for Pattinson? Uh, I don't want to know what you saw on the screen, but I'm just curious. Are, you know, how does this fit into, you know, the whole, uh, DC universe is, is this not I mean it's it's its own thing it's a parallel no, it's not connected it's parallel okay yeah it's a I mean <clears throat> I believe Matt Reeves pitched it as a one-off but I mean there will be more I think in the same way that like Joker was pitched as a one-off okay but now they're like dancing around a, a sequel wait no it's not a DCU thing and I mean Pattinson the actor like I think he's gonna you know continue to work with like the most auteury and and indie of directors in between making Batman movies now. And that's totally fine. And in terms of like the character and in the movie, like the, without saying anything about what happens, like this Batman is in a very different place than he starts in the movie. Like there is, there is legitimate character like arc for a, I mean, it's obviously a character, but for basically like a, like a presence. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Like when you see it, you'll understand like there, there is truly like, because it's not an origin story. This is much more like this Bruce Wayne figuring out where this Batman works in the universe. 
in a way that like we've seen with a lot of like heroes of like you know do we you know do we even need this superhero kind of thing like he's not doing that but he's he's very much grappling with like what am i doing here like am i am i making a difference like am i better or am i worse like what what is going on i need to do this but what effect am i having and i think where he gets to at the end there's a there's a scene that when you see it you'll understand like there has been an arc that maybe you didn't even realize was happening see for me the at, at first i didn't care for it and now i'm kind of liking it especially after peacemaker um the, the messiness of the DC, like Marvel seems like so well thought out and yeah. the DC universe is kind of like, you know what? We're going to make a Joker film. And if you don't like it, guess what? He'll mean, he, you may never see Joaquin again, but then again, maybe he'll show up in our next film. Maybe he'll show up next to uh, Affleck. Yeah. You don't know what the hell is going to happen. And I love it. And uh, real quick, just to jump to Peacemaker real quick, um, because I was not a fan of, of uh, Suicide Squad. And and Miles was wrong, praising uh, Peacemaker. Uh, I loved Peacemaker. And uh, if you're, I'm halfway through and I love it. Oh, it's it's fantastic. oh, it's so good. It's I I, I did a tweet about it um, after it finished, but I think it is absolutely my favorite superhero show of the modern era. Like yeah. better than all the the Marvel Disney Plus shows. Better than like you know, the boys or even invincible stuff like that. This one just, just hits all the right notes for me. Like it's eight episodes and there's not like an ounce of fat on any of them. I, I, I so I'm, I'm up to the one where they, he figures out exactly what butter, the butterflies are. Mm-hmm. And I just love this. Like, Oh, Oh, it's a literal butterfly. butterfly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like just, it sounds so dumb, but they play it so well. Yes. Um, that I, I really, I really appreciated the, the, the insanity of it. Um, because I just finished. Um, real, real quick, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and revisit the Suicide Squad or Suicide Squad because I appreciated, uh, you know, not just Cena's character, but just the tone and everything about Peacemaker. I was like, man, that that hits, and maybe now, like, my mindset's ready to uh, to appreciate that film more. But uh, bravo to uh, to Gunn and to Cena and to his whole cast. Uh, fantastic work, and I'm looking forward to more. And and, uh, and honestly, now the whole DCEU and and the you know DC and DCEU in, in general um, are much more intriguing. It used to be like, oh, shit, here we go again. Let's see how they screw this one up. Now I'm like, damn. Uh, I mean, I'm really really de- I'm curious, curious what happens. I'm I mean I'm curious what happens next in the show, but um, I do I do like that like that he actually doesn't shy away from like. I know I'm the hero of the show and you're supposed to like really like me, but don't fully forget that I murdered like one of the better character, nicer characters yeah. <laughs> in the other movie. Like I am still a murderer, not just for the good side. Like I did a bad thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's, uh, it's fascinating I, how much of a U-turn DC has done. Cause you think about just like five or six years ago when like they were doing crap like Batman V Superman and the first suicide squad yep. and is like, Oh my. And then, you know, the botched version of justice league. And it's like, I mean, Jesus, they have they, no idea what they're doing. I think and, they, the interesting thing is, I think they still don't know what they're doing, 
but they've, they've leaned into like, well, we don't have to know what we're doing. Really. Well, I think that's just it. They're just doing whatever they feel like, like whatever sounds like a good project and having it all connect is very much an afterthought. Whereas before they were so committed to kind of copying the Marvel formula, exactly. doing, you know, it, it all has to build into this one thing, but they didn't really have anywhere to go after Justice League. And that one flopped so much, they couldn't really use it as a springboard for anything. So I think they've done the smartest thing fo- possible. Like, it's kind of fascinating that like we will by the end of this year we'll have had like three different versions of Batman just since the DCEU started mm-hmm. and like yeah, but it Superman overwhelming but, yeah exactly and like Superman like his last two appearances like you haven't even gotten to see his face so like yeah. you know yeah. they're 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 totally committing to like tertiary characters like Peacemaker and like you know um, Shazam or Shazam, or, like, Aquaman is, like, their highest uh, grossing character right now, so... They're telling great stories, and, they, and they're creating great yeah. characters without... With the ability to now say, unlike Marvel, where you say, well, if they have a big strike, a big swinging whiff, um, it's gonna it's gonna hurt surrounding properties. Where DC can say, oh, that one didn't work out, but guess what? In a month from now, you're not gonna remember, because... We're going to do something completely different, and this isn't like so tied in. It's not so uh, ingrained in the in the universe. So we can say, "Hey, that wasn't exactly your cup of tea, but maybe the next one will be." And I think that's where they're well, that's succeeding. What makes it, yeah. Well, that's what makes it all interesting is that they they can kind of toy with things in a way that um, Marvel's not. Mm-hmm. And like that's not a criticism of Marvel. I think because I, I just watched well, um, Hawkeye. I'm you know only six months behind on all you people, but. Um, Basically, like, you know, I watched that and went, oh, it feels like, like, the Ronin scene in Endgame was there so they could do this part of the show. Like, it all feels like there's a big, giant scroll somewhere with the broad strokes of what Marvel should be doing. Mm-hmm. And they find ways to do it. And that's cool. Yeah. And then is. DC is just like, uh, I don't know. Throw and shit at the wall and that see works. what sticks. Well, let's and, like, bring in James Gunn and throw shit at the wall. Let's bring in, you know... Uh, yeah, well, you, all mean, these you, great you art, uh, misfires. directors and, and actors, and it's not yeah. like they're just like totally but winging now, it. They, they're bringing in some quality. But they have the freedom. People. Yeah. Well, they're doing what more... they originally said they were going to do, which is make it sort of filmmaker driven. Because, mm-hmm. like, exactly. that was the idea when they brought on Snyder, but then they started second guessing Snyder, and then like mm-hmm. it just you know it all kind of got yeah. sort of shortchanged. Well, that's, that's but that's like, you get. you get you get more air. Which I don't think David Ayer is a bad filmmaker, but like Suicide Squad is terrible. Mm-hmm. And you get more of those where you're like, oh, that didn't work. But you also have the freedom to have a, a Matt Reeves come make a Batman. And if you look at like who they were looking at, like, you know, they were they were talking to like Denny Villeneuve kind of in broad strokes. But he was doing Dune and like Ridley Scott and like I don't Ridley Scott making a superhero movie would either be amazing or terrible. I don't know which, <laughs> but they're willing to like that's never going to happen. Marvel's never going to turn the keys over to like. Um, you know, a guy who's either going to hit a home run or swing and miss. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I can guess like, who, which way it would go. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't think, I don't think we can, like, this is an exaggeration. I don't, I'm not, I don't fully mean that we can direct a Marvel movie, but there's a mechanism in place. There's a formula the, to be followed. Yeah, well, exactly. Which is why you get like when, when Chloe Zhao does, has it go kind of wonky with Eternals, it's puzzling because you go like, well, the mechanism is in place so that these like very core basic Marvel things are almost done for you. <clears throat> and then you bring in what you feel you can contribute. And it was sort of like 
that was her best part, but the other stuff didn't work. You know, whereas with DC, they would have just handed you the keys and been like, please don't screw this up and hope for the best. Um, we'll talk about this more next week because I want to know what you guys think about this all, having then seen the movie. Because then maybe there'll be more of a plan, or maybe not. Um, but here, um, say where you can be followed, and you guys each tell me what part of the movie you're most looking forward to. I think that could be an interesting way to wrap up. Okay. Uh, well, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They're both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. Um, the part that I'm most looking forward to, I mean, all of it. This like this has been my most anticipated movie for a while. I love the David Fincher vibes. I love the entire cast. Um... I mean, Pattinson has been an actor I've been so excited about all his choices for a while that, like, if he had gone straight from Twilight to something like this, I would have been like, uh, whatever. But the fact that he, like, had the world, you know, he could have done whatever he wanted, and he went and made a bunch of weird indie movies where he played a bunch of weird, creepy characters, and now he's doing Batman? That's fascinating. That's, like, as soon as he was announced, I was like, that's one of the most interesting choices I've heard. So I think... It's kind of because you were talking about how like Batman has an arc in the movie and yeah. like I, I I remember that being pitched as like, you know, he's kind of the main character and I was like, oh, imagine yes. that Batman, the main character in a Batman movie. But if you look at the majority of Batman movies, he's not he's really not. the main character in them. In The Dark Knight, he's an ensemble player in the Burton and Schumacher films. He's definitely playing second fiddle to the villains like he Batman begins as maybe the only Example, you'd have to go back to like Adam West for one where he's genuinely the main character. And even then Batman Begins, I think I think Bruce Wayne is the main character. Exactly. Yeah. So for it to be a fully Batman movie and a detective story on top of that, like Yeah. This is this I'm is the only Batman it. where you're going to see Batman with at this point Lieutenant Gordon with like a flashlight, like looking at like a place that has like you know, like police line, do not cross, like looking at for evidence not already analyzing what someone else did like he's doing the grunt work yeah it's it's great all right steve uh you can find me at twitter and letterboxd as uh at film snork and you can also listen to the verse where in the next couple of weeks we shall be actually probably next week we'll be discussing the batman and then uh following up all march with uh revisiting previous batmans from Kevin Conroy and uh, uh, Michael Keaton. Pretty much every single one of them will will be touched upon as we go behind the cowl. Um, and my what I'm most excited for uh, probably Zoe Kravitz. Uh, after seeing her work in Kimmy, at first I was like, you know, this is your choice. And then I saw her in Kimmy, and I was like, oh, uh, well done. I, I didn't see, you know, I didn't expect that from her. And I, I think she looks great. And, you know, there's so much to look forward to. Paul Dano, you know, the cast across the board, uh, Circus, uh, Farrell, all, all the above. But uh, I'm, I'm curious to see Selena Kyle brought to life in a way that, you know, it just doesn't seem as cartoony as usual. So I'm, I'm fingers crossed that's what we get. All right, cool. 
Um, and you can find me at Joey Magazine, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, all that stuff. Uh, Ward Raider on several of those things. And I will say that my other favorite part of the movie is the Michael Giacchino score. It is uh, oh. phenomenal and is the one thing I think should be up for Oscars next year. Like, I don't think it's an awards movie necessarily, but I want that score up for contention. Uh, before we go, House Kravitz. She's good. I mean, I, I don't. I think the character is like a little shoe, uh, shoehorned in. Hmm. Um, there's an interesting method for why she gets involved with everything, but like some of the like, because she's pr- sort of proto Catwoman. She's not there yet. It, I, I didn't like love as much, but she's good. Um, it's. I, I I imagine she'll be back, but also I don't know what they. I don't know that they're necessarily going to evolve all these characters. You know, they, they could certainly have them become the visions of, like, what we've seen before. But you're seeing them as, like, they're all kind of in year two of doing what they're doing. And the possibilities are just kind of, like, endless. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do, more so than anything else. Hey, real quick before we sign off, uh, everybody go around. Not counting Pattinson, because Joey's the only one who's seen him. Who's your favorite on-screen Batman prior to now? Uh, Miles, go first. Um, I'm going to say Christian Bale. Even though the the Batman voice is super goofy, I think he's struck the best balance of Bruce Wayne and Batman, where he's believable as both. I'm going to agree. Though I will say I wish Val Kilmer had gotten a second crack at it. And I would have also liked to see more Affleck, because he was not the reason those movies were, were sometimes rough. Yeah. I think that's kind of... I think... I think obviously Michael Keaton has a special place in people's hearts, but in terms of like memorable interpretations, I think it might be Bale and Affleck have left the biggest impact so far for me. And I just, I wanted more of Kilmer and Keaton is, you know, warm and comforting and the rest are, you know, George Clooney. Well, Bale has the best arc. You know, there's actually a, a true trilogy there where Keaton was just in like, you know, the, the original and then a follow-up, but never had any real closure. Um, but I'm still going to go with Keaton. Uh, That's cool. I'm cur- we will revisit this next week. I'm curious where you guys put Pattinson, and I'll tell you where I put Pattinson. Um, but for now, we'll close up. Um, hopefully things in the real world will get better so we can feel less sometimes weird talking about this nonsense. Please. But, uh, yeah, everyone stay safe. And... Uh, enjoy Batman. Like, everyone's gonna go see it. Let's, uh, you know? I mean, everyone's going, so we will literally see you at the movies. See you there. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content. <laughs>